In order for someone to understand the good news, they have to first understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that we all will stand before God one day. A listener recently wrote into Talk Truth Podcast asking the question, how do I be there for my sinning sibling in Christ? Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you could submit your questions on our website. Welcome to season two of Talk Truth. I'm your host, Chloe Styling. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by John Crawford, one of the elders here at McGregor Baptist Church in Fort Myers, Florida. John, thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you for having me, Chloe. I'm, it's a joy to be here. Yeah. Why don't you start off by telling us about yourself? Okay. Well, uh, again, yes, as you said, my name is John Crawford. Um, I've been a member of McGregor since 2004. Uh, I got saved in 1998, but I heard the gospel my whole life. And uh was saved at uh, 34 years old, which is actually pretty uncommon. Um, you know, most people yeah. by that time uh, they they went, they have either decided to reject Christ or or to uh, um, to to accept Christ at that point in their life, mm-hmm. being raised in the church as I was. But um, but had some events happen, uh, came to the Lord in repentance and faith, and. Uh, have been serving him ever since, uh, not perfectly as no one can, but mm-hmm. um, but have been here at McGregor since 2004. Served wow. as, as a deacon, served on the personnel committee, and uh, am now serving as an elder. Wow, that is really cool, and spe- especially like you said, not many people come to know the Lord. So even like in their 30s, like that's late. A lot of yeah. people get saved when they're little, or even in like in their years, so oh yeah, that's I think it's why Jesus said, "Suffer and suffer not the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven." Yeah, that's yeah, very true. So before we begin to answer the question, how to be there for my sinning sibling in Christ, I want to ask you. Well, actually, I need to ask you where to begin, but we're going to dive into like how to be there, but. There's a process that we need to go through before. So what is that process? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think the process, first of all, is uh, we, ha- we, have to, we have to have introspection. Uh, we have to look at our own life first. Um, you know, it can, depending upon what this sin is, we have to ask ourselves, is this specific sin in my life? Because in Romans 2, Paul writes and he warns people that you should not uh, judge other people or, and I would say, confront other people if you have that same sin in your life. For one thing, it, it just takes the power out of, out of what you would have to say to them because the whole time in your mind, you would know that you, uh, your conscience would, could depict you as guilty because your conscience either accuses you or excuses you. And, uh, and so you wouldn't be able to... Um, properly confront a brother who's living in sin. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, is this specific sin something that I'm dealing with? And then after you 
answered that question, you would have to ask yourself, is there any sin in my life? Because in Matthew 7, Jesus talks about judge not, lest ye also be judged. And, and he went on to say, how can you, uh, you know, look at the, the splinter in your brother's eye when you have a log sticking out of your own eye? And he doesn't tell us not to judge what he does. He, does, he tells us not to judge, but he doesn't tell us to stop there. He says, take the splinter out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to help remove the log out of your, or, or I'm sorry, back. I got by, Yeah. Take the log Logan. out of your own eye, and yeah. then you can see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So we are definitely supposed to confront our sinning brother, but it, but it starts with an, it look at, taking an in, a look inside yourself. Is there sin in your life? Because if, if there is, uh, it's kind of like when Jesus talked about to his disciples that um, um, if you're going to ask for forgiveness from your father, first you've got to look in your inside and you've got to see, do you have something against your own brother? And if you do, you need to go make it right and then come back to, to the temple. And um, so it's that same principle that you've got to have a clear conscience yourself before you can... Um, Confront your brother who's in sin, and and then I then I I ask myself, well, why is that? Why is the repentance of you, in, of your own self? Why why is your repentance so important before confronting your brother? Now think about Psalm fifty one, mm-hmm. where where David wrote that psalm after Nathan had confronted him about his great sin of adultery and murder, mm-hmm. and what he said in that psalm is, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. And then a few verses later, he says, then I can tell the transgressors about you. So, so that's, that's, you, you've got to get yourself... Um, like right before yes, God. Yes, you've got to be right before God before you can, before you can uh, even think about uh, confronting your brother. Mm-hmm. Because it's a height of hypocrisy. Yeah, and I think if you are able to see in the sin, I'm, I'm sorry, able to see the sin in somebody else's life and you look at your own and even Paul probably would have looked at himself before he confronted somebody oh, absolutely. and would have yeah. seen so much sin. I think the closer we get to Christ, the more sin in our lives that we see, he's going to make that so evident because when you're in the light, then you see so much dirt on yourself, you Absolutely. know? And it's, so, it's all what you compare yourself to. You know, yeah. Paul made the statement that, that when people compare themselves by themselves, they're unwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a good illustration that Ray Comfort uses. And, and he talks about when, 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 we want, when we think we're righteous and we think we're clean, we, it's what we're comparing ourselves to. You think about a sheep on a hillside, a green hillside, and when you look at that, those sheep on the hillside, they look really white. But then all of a sudden, the snow starts to fall, and it <laughs> covers the green grass. And all of a sudden, those sheep look incredibly dirty. And it, see, that's, that's just it. It's what you compare yourself to. And we have one standard of righteousness, and that's Jesus. Yeah. And by that, we all fall short. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And... Uh, and he was probably the greatest man, you know, in the, in the uh, greatest uh, in the early church. Paul would have been one who was really looked up to right along with Peter. Mm-hmm. So if he, can, if he sees that himself that way, then we ought to take a, um, a, a realistic look at ourselves. But then once we do that, once, once that conscience is clear, then we can... We can uh, Speak to the transgressor, yeah, as David would say. Yeah, I guess my next question then would be, 
Um, how do we know who to confront then? Well, <clears throat> I think you have to, you know, when you, when you think about what sin uh, to confront, you know, you don't, you don't want to just, you see somebody, uh, catch somebody in a lie. Uh, you, might, you might say something, you might not. But, but really, I think what has to be there in order for you to confront somebody, is it, the sin has to be, first of all, it has to be habitual. Uh, you know, it, it has to be something that's repeated. So this is in the sin of a believer? In, in a believer, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If we're confronting a believer, uh, you know, we, we have a standard as that if sin is, is habitual, if it's public, and if it's unrepentant. You know, that's that's when we use the Matthew 18 process. But, uh, but you know, when you, we talk about a, a sin that's habitual, uh, to me, that indicates a searing of the conscience because they no longer see themselves, uh, you know, as, as a sinner. They no, no, they no longer see it as sinful, you know, because we're great at rationalizing. We're great at making excuses and, uh, and sin, something that would, uh, when we first got saved, would be exceedingly sinful. Uh, over time, we can talk ourselves into believing that, well, you know, that's just the way God made me. And uh, you hear people say that way too often. Well, you know what? God says that when you're in Christ, you're a new creature. All things have become new. Yeah. And, uh, and that's an ongoing process. It's, uh, it's progressive sanctification that ought to be taking place in the life of a believer. So we should be recognizing sin more and more as we follow Christ rather than rationalizing and, and uh, you know, making excuses yeah. for ourselves. Uh, have you ever heard of the Enneagram by any chance? I have not. It's this personality test that's really, really, really popular. It's been around for a long time, but some issues that personally, I don't think that uh, it's, this is not a blanket statement, but there are some issues that I personally have had with it. It lists somebody's like strengths and weaknesses kind of, um, but what happens is a person people that I have seen just get super into it have kind of related um, or just made excuses for the weaknesses. Well, I'm, and then they mm, say their personality, yeah. it's, it's based on numbers. Right. The numbers are one through nine. So they say, oh, well, I'm an eight. And so the eights are very commanding and they're just kind of real rigid. And so they'll make excuses for like their sinful behavior by saying, oh, well, that's how God made me. Yeah. Blame, blaming God just like Adam did. Yeah, exactly. That's the woman you gave me. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so we can't do that. We have to be super aware of ourselves in comparison to who he is, right. like you were saying before when we are um, addressing our hearts. But what do we what do we do when our friends are... I know the, the question for, from the listener is about believers, but what is it... How, how would we confront an unbeliever? Because that's probably a little bit of a different process. Well, think, Maybe similar. Yeah, I, th I think when you when you confront an unbeliever, uh, first of all, you have to realize that um, we can't expect unbelievers to behave like Christians. And sometimes I think we do expect that. And uh, I think what we have to, to get settled in our own mind first is that's just the fallen nature coming out of them. Mm -hmm. I think the only way that you really confront sin in the life of, of a believer is when you're presenting the gospel to them. Because, you know, when you present the gospel uh, too, too often in the last probably, I don't know, 30, 40 years, um, that has been a missing component of the gospel. Uh, we, have, we have unfortunately uh, gave a, um, 
life enhancement gospel mm-hmm. rather rather than uh, a life saving gospel. Uh, in order for someone to understand the good news, they have to first understand the bad news. And the bad news is that we are all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and that we all will stand before God one day. Mm-hmm. Now, for the believer, we stand before him at, at the judgment seat of Christ uh, to, to either gain reward or lose reward. We give account for what we've done in this body, whether it be good or bad. But the, but the lost, they're going to stand in, at the great white throne judgment. And when the books are open, those books are open, um, there's not anybody going to pass the test. Mm. And they're all going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Yeah. And uh, so, so we, we, uh, when we confront believer or unbelievers with their sin, that's when the Holy Spirit brings the conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's what the gospel should be. It should be should be comprised of sin. You are a sinner. You need a savior. Righteousness. You're not righteous, but Jesus is, and He was your replacement on the cross. Mm-hmm. And judgment. That one day you're going to have to stand before the Lord, and when you uh, before before the Father. And when you do, uh, He can either say, "Enter in, good and faithful servant," because He's looking at Jesus' track record, or he can say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So, so I think the only time and the only reason we confront uh, unbelievers with their sin on a one-on-one basis is to present the gospel. Yeah. Amen. And actually, this is a plug to our last episode of um, our season two mm-hmm. of Talk Truth, I guess it would have been, but it, it was the last episode that McGregor podcast kind of had under its umbrella of podcasts. And it was with uh, Pastor Howard. And I am forgetting who was on that podcast. Christian, help me out. Who was on that podcast? And Mark. And Pastor Mark Bricker. (laughs) Um, And what we talked about was how the gospel is for every day. It's for the sanctification, even of the believer. You are not going to become more like Christ if you are not being sanctified by the gospel. And so how do we do that? When we have sin in our lives, we approach it in the same way that we did on the day that we got saved. The gospel, like Paul says, should be preached to ourselves mm-hmm. every single day. And so even when you confront your um, believing sibling in Christ, you should confront them with the gospel. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and, yes. Yeah, and so I think that there, it's it's not as... They're, they're so similar, actually. We should almost treat our believing sibling in Christ like they are an unbeliever, even if you think that they've been a believer for their whole lives. Like, right. We still need to be sanctified by, by the gospel. And, and see, that kind of leads me um, kind of backtracking to, to what kind of sin to confront. Well, we, mm-hmm. we confront habitual. We, we, uh, we confront public. Because when, when, when believers sin publicly, it means they have, they have lost uh, they don't care any longer about their testimony to the world and the church's testimony. Because when a, when a believer who claims to be a believer, who is a member of a church, their friends, their neighbors, they know that, that they profess to be a believer and they know the church they go to, it, it, it is a, a black mark on, uh, you know, you're, you're, it's bringing shame on the name of Christ and mm-hmm. on the church. Um, but sin that's unrepentant, that is the thing uh, that, that really needs to be there because um, when we're born again, we're inhabited with the Holy Spirit. And when we sin, 
what it ought to do is bring conviction in our heart. But, you know, as, as uh, I don't know if you'd say free agents, but, but as God gives us a free will. Uh, I heard John MacArthur say the only time we truly have a free will is once we're born again. Because prior to that, we're slaves to mm, whatever sin. The only free will we that's have good. is what sin will be a slave to. But, um, but, you know, because we have that free will, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And we can, we, can, uh, we can get to where we don't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's what being unrepentant really is. You're not hearing any longer the voice of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. who's speaking to you. And so when that happens, we have to we can't still give testimony to the fact that this person is born again. So we have to do just as in the Matthew 18 process says, you treat him as an unbeliever. And the way that you treat him as an unbeliever is not to shun him and not to um, you know, turn your back on them, it's to begin to pray for them, that Mm -hmm. God will open their eyes. Because as far as you know, because you're not omniscient, you don't know their heart, as far as you know, they're behaving like an unbeliever. So you got to pray for them like one. Mm-hmm. And then you got to witness to them, like you said, with the gospel. Yeah. Because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I don't know if we saw repent. I mean, I know we didn't see repentance until after Nathan confronts David, you know, but that's hard in his heart. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. but that doesn't mean that he wasn't saved. No, you know, no, it doesn't. he was still, God still had him and, and oh, called absolutely. him and chose him, yes. you know, but we can backslide, you know, and we, that's why God gives us the church to that's remind right. us right. of the power of the gospel, what we've been saved from, who we've been saved. We've been saved from God to God. Yeah. Um, and, and of course we have the scriptures. So we, we, of course we know David was, was, was a, a child of God, mm-hmm. but we don't know that about our brother yeah. sitting next to yeah. us in the pew. Mm-hmm. Uh, all we know is that we see his actions don't line up with his profession. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we have to uh, first lovingly confront him. Uh, and I think that's too, you know, everything has to be prefaced with love. We can't go in there just, you know, with an, with an accusatory uh, Demeanor, because because all that's going to do is going to make them stiffen their neck and uh, and just say, you know what, I ain't got to listen to you. Yeah. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in members of my own family. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath. And so when you confront them, you have to confront them in love. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into it and you feel like you're not going to be able to speak truth and love, then you probably have pride still in your heart that needs to be humbled. Yes. You know? And that goes back to that preparing yourself, mm-hmm. your, that introspection. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I um, am just very, very thankful that you have been on this podcast, but I want to kind of ask you if you have anything left to share uh, before I close this out. Any final thoughts that... Well, I would say that there's a process to, to, to confronting uh, when, you, when you have an intervention, so to speak. Uh, first of all, you have, to, you have to confront with the right attitude. Uh, Galatians 6.1 says that if your brother is caught up in a sin, that you're to confront him with a spirit of gentleness. So you've got to have the right attitude when you confront him. But then you also got to have the right approach. Mm-hmm. And Matthew 18 talks about that when you... Know your brother's caught up in sin. You don't go and tell your friends. You don't go and tell, uh, you know, share it with this person or that person. That's gossip, you know. And sometimes we do that in the form of prayer requests. No, you you go to them 
uh, one-on-one. Yeah. And here's what I know to be true. If you catch this in the, in the, process, in the process early enough and that, that heart is still soft, the Holy Spirit will do the work. You, you confront them just like Nathan did. And do you remember how Nathan or David responded? He was immediately heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And that's what will happen to a spirit-filled believer, so, you know, if you catch it early enough. But we are masters of deceiving ourselves. We're masters of, of hardening our hearts. So you go one-on-one, if that doesn't work, obviously in the Matthew 18 process is to go back with one or two others so that you have, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And if that doesn't work, you, you take it to the church. And then from there, if that doesn't work, you're, you are, that, I mean, we, we call it excommunication. That's, that's a big word, but it just means that you, you treat them as an unbeliever. It doesn't mean you don't want them coming to church. Mm-hmm. You, you want them to be in church. You want them to hear the gospel. But you can no, you can no longer vouch for their testimony. And uh, so that's, that's when that discipline process kicks in. But you, so so you've got to have the right approach, but you also have to have the right aim. The right aim is always going to be for repentance and restoration of the believer. Um, even though the discipline process, and that's why a lot of you know churches in today's world they don't pro, uh, they don't they don't uh, practice discipline because they're afraid they're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Mm. But the biblical way to approach this is to practice discipline so that that person will be restored. Because uh, to just let it go, to just let it go and look the other way. Uh, you're you're doing your brother a great disservice. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the Good Samaritan law. Yeah. Right? If you if you see somebody, mm-hmm. if you if you know that you have the ability to help them, why would you just let them die? Right. So. And the Bible says, "He who knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin." Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. All right. So I'm going to close this episode out again. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm oh, going to be reading fun. from James five. Um, Verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then verses 19 through 20 say, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And what a blessing that would be to be able to turn a sibling back into the arms of Jesus. Amen. To our listeners, thank you so much for spending your time with us. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all the details. We'd love to hear from you. So please write us a review however you are listening to this. Thank you for listening and remember to talk truth.